Welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Luke Barwakowski, a software engineer and founder and CEO of Pixels.online. We'll discuss his work in the NFT space. So welcome to the show, Luke. Yeah, thanks for having me. Pleasure's all mine. I'm really glad that Yohei recommended that I talk to you. And I'm really interested in hearing more about the work you've been doing as a software engineer and founder of your own projects in the NFT space. But before we talk about that, I wonder if you could tell listeners a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and you know, sort of what skill set you're bringing to, to the area. Yeah, so I studied at the University of Michigan. I had a double degree in computer science and economics, and I really thought I was going to go into fintech for a long time, but I had an internship at a fintech company, and I realized that space just wasn't that interesting to me. And the general work environment and culture just was not very appealing to me. Um, so I ended up getting a job in Silicon Valley after I graduated from university, just a normal software engineering company. And uh, yeah, after two years in that role, about I left my job and I started working um, on my own projects and doing technical consulting as well. One of the projects that I was working on started gaining a bit of buzz um, and it became this company called Mesh eventually. Um, we raised a bit of pre-seed funding for Mesh and we uh, got it out into the world, basically. We were having companies use our product and we were getting pretty good reviews from companies using our product. And you probably heard of the names of some of the companies using Mesh. Um, basically, what we were was we were an online event platform, a place where people can go and throw more engaging online events. However, through that process, we were kind of realizing that there wasn't a great business there. We were getting some revenue and we had some decent sales, but we knew that something had to change with that current business and we had to pivot. So three months ago, we went into full pivot mode and we were basically looking at like what we need to do next um, to save this company and keep going. And that entire time, um, Web3 was super, super interesting to me. I couldn't think of a use case for us to be building in Web3 with what we had, though. We had an online event platform. Um, and it didn't really make sense to me what we can do in that. So we were just thinking about tons of other pivots that we could do, um, looking a lot into remote culture, looking a lot into um, like team building tools, because that's kind of what our platform was situated for. And then um, just out of nowhere, Yohei was throwing um, Pixel Beast meetups on our platform. So he was using our platform to host community events for his NFT line. And all of a sudden that use case started clicking for me. And that's kind of how we started pivoting towards pixels.online and uh, the current project that we're working on now. Can you describe Mesh a little bit for me? What, is it, what does it look like? How does it work? What was the concept behind it? And, and how did people actually use it in practice? Yeah, so when the pandemic started, I noticed that there were a lot of people trying to do a lot of social events on Zoom. And the experience was awful. Zoom didn't have breakout rooms back then, if you guys remember that, and how awful that experience of having 50 people on a company's social happy hour birthday party on Zoom was when everybody was talking over each other. Um, so I actually developed one of the first instances of spatial video chat. And so, uh, technology that's becoming a bit more popular. There's one competitor of ours um, when we were competing in that space that has gotten quite big called Gathertown. 
Um, a lot of people might have heard of them at this point. But basically, if spatial video chat is a technology where it's almost like a mix of a video game and Zoom. And to talk to people in this um, web app, you actually have to walk to people in the game to talk to them. And if you walk too far away, it starts conversations with other people. Yeah, it's cool. I logged in and, and checked out sort of the interface. And it has a very like familiar, like 90, early 90s video game kind of look to it. It's very... Um, kind of charming and uh and easy to use and kind of like weirdly intuitive as well yeah it's funny because we were selling these events we were an event platform um and we were selling like holiday parties um and like team bonding events to companies and it was very mixed opinions in the uh, corporate space but it works a lot better um in this new demographic that we're targeting so some people in the corporate space really liked it they really get it just kind of like the nft space as well where some people in the corporate space they do get it and they're trying to like incorporate web3 technologies and some people just don't um and that was kind of the uh, reaction that we got with our graphics aesthetic and uh general offering so when you launched mesh and saw how people were interacting with it sort of how did you see people using it you know what did you learn from implementing the platform and kind of looking at the user experience yeah so we built a really generalized generalizable platform like a platform that could be used for a lot of different use cases and we were just basically trying to nail down what the best use case is on our platform and what the best experience that we can offer is um and we tried so many different things. We've tried basically everything that all of our competitors have tried or anyone in that general spatial video chat space has tried. Things like creating a virtual office that people can work in together. Um, things like networking events, conferences, um, holiday parties. What we found worked best and the use case that we really nailed was holiday parties or group gatherings or um, community building. And that's just by happen chance what Yohei was using it for. So when did you first become aware of NFTs and Web3 more generally? And what were your initial impressions? Yeah, so I've been following the space for a long time. Um, I've been very skeptical because my initial impression was, I think this is cool technology. I don't see any good use cases of this. And I see a lot of people who say they're going to build something and then don't follow through on their promises. Um, there's a lot of over promises in the space and a lot of rug pulls and a lot of scams that made me not want to be building in that space initially. Right. I mean, so from the software engineer's perspective, when you look at a new technology like NFTs or kind of the more kind of big picture web three ideas, what are you looking for? What are you thinking about? What catches your attention as something that's sort of appealing or not appealing, um, useful or not useful? Yeah, so Web3 and specifically NFTs, I would say, have really opened up a whole new frontier of ownership online. And it's basically giving an opportunity for so many different things to be built. And what's really interesting is that a lot of the infrastructure isn't even built in place. Basically, if you make any tool in this space, there's something that's going to be useful to people that they can build upon. Um, so that's what's really, really exciting to me about this space, how much opportunity there is, how much that needs to be built still. And uh, how much infrastructure that there still needs to be done. That's a software engineer's dream. Um, in SaaS and a lot of other areas, there's been a lot of development. Like we were trying to build a remote culture for a long time. Um, basically, any idea that you have as far as like how can we make teams operate more efficiently, somebody's tried it. Maybe they didn't execute on it that well, but somebody's at least tried to build something in that space. And yeah, maybe there's room for more people, but... 
a lot's been done in that space. In Web3, there's so many things that are like, why has this not been done yet? Like, come on, guys. This is like a really basic building block. Like, we really should have built this already, but it's still not done, which is awesome. Maybe you could give some examples of things like that. What, what, like when you look at the space right now, what are things that you see as being kind of obvious next steps or obvious tools that people working in the space need or maybe don't even realize they need yet? Um, for example, one thing that just got released really recently was a tool called login.xyz. I think that's a really interesting tool where instead of having like six different wallets that you can be using, like Coinbase wallet, MetaMask, all of that. It's just one login button, like login with Ethereum. Um, that was something that was really obvious. I felt like that I couldn't believe only came out within the last 30 days. Um, for example, we're going to have the same issue with multi-chain as well, where there's really no multi-chain solutions. I'm not a chain maximalist. I genuinely believe there's going to be many chains competing for different use cases. Um I think some of the maximalists are like kind of obstructing that like multi-chain um, interface, but I really think that's going to happen soon and nobody's really been working too hard on that. So my impression is that there's an awful lot of people who are very skeptical of NFTs and this kind of Web3 hype. So it's really interesting to me that you went from the perspective of initially being kind of skeptical to seeing a lot of potential there. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what specifically from the perspective of a software engineer struck you about this new technology as being really promising. Like what changed your mind? So what changed my mind was really trying to figure out what this tech was about and where it could be used. And then finally seeing what I think is an awesome application of this technology in the gaming space. That's what really attracts me to um, Web3 in general. And I think that's where the tech is finally ready to be building with um, in gaming. And I think it's really going to transform how gaming works. Um, specifically, ownership of the progress you make in a game, real ownership of your assets, interoper- interoperability between games, having an asset that works in multiple games, um, and having assets that you can bring around other places as well. That's going to be a really big game changer in gaming. Um, and also the rise of these NFT communities and just seeing how powerful they are. Things like CryptoPunks and Board API Club, um, the amount of utility they add besides just being a profile picture through their community is really interesting to me. The fact that individual board apes are starting media companies with that ape and things like that um, just is making me realize or made me realize how like pertinent to this culture or like our future culture, all these NFT collections are going to be. And then uh, having like this awesome use case of gaming in front of me to really attract me to the space being like, okay, I think we're ready to build here now. So from your perspective, looking at kind of the gaming industry writ large, has this problem of interoperability and ownership of in-game assets been something that the gaming world has been kind of struggling with how to solve for a long time? Or is it sort of like now that the means for potentially solving the problem have emerged, it becomes clearer to people that it was a problem in the first place? I don't know if people thought it was a problem before. It just wasn't even an option for uh, players of games. And from the company side, maybe this isn't exactly something a lot of these old gaming companies even want per se, but this is a possibility in the future that users and players can actually vote with their money and their time with. Um, so this basically just opens up a ton of new value for gamers um, that they can capture and whoever's willing to offer that and 
like be a bit less greedy than current gaming companies has a huge opportunity on their hands. Can you talk a little bit more about the kind of growing sense of community and the value of those communities that you mentioned? I think a lot of people have a hard time seeing that and don't really understand the extent to which that's something that might be really important. Sort of how do you see that development? Where do you see the value? And to the extent that you have a sense of it, how do you think those communities went about developing and and coalescing? Yeah. um, What's awesome about this space is that it rewards early adopters. So if you believe in a project early on, if you're an early player of a game, you'll be rewarded for that. It's like, instead of investing your time or uh, money, you're investing your time and you actually get a reward from that investment. Um, It's really a win on all parties. You have a group of people who believe in this project or this greater community these people also get benefits from that. And it's basically more like a profit sharing model where it's just more flat, decentralized, and um, there's winners on every side. Um, these communities are getting surprisingly powerful, um, almost dystopian in my mind, where I think like CryptoPunks or Board Ape Yacht Club have the potential to be um, something very, very powerful in the metaverse going forward, um, having a lot of influence over um, just general culture and the way that people think about things for example cryptopunk 6529 a lot of people know that number it's crazy it's this guy who's anonymous um, for people who don't know who goes by his punk number and he has an entire twitter following um being completely anonymous as his punk um and basically people who are throwing up cryptopunks as their profile pictures um just that alone will net them followers on twitter it will net them influence um, without them even doing much on their end. Just having this asset um, kind of gets you into this club or gets you into this um, community that inserts influence into this space now. Yeah, I mean, what's one thing that's been really interesting to me is to see how people use kind of popular PFP projects like CryptoPunks and Board Ape Yacht Club as almost like personal brands. And you're right, I mean, Punk 6529. Six five two nine. Yeah, I mean, really interesting kind of project, and he is obviously a real thought leader in this space, offering a lot of really interesting information. In some ways, it almost feels like a version of like gamifying everyday life. Yeah, in a way, I feel like these uh, new like NFT profile pics are kind of going to be like a form of internet celebrities in the future. So maybe you could then talk a little bit about the new projects that you're you're working on. You know, what are they? What do they look like? And how did you conceptualize sort of where you wanted them to go? From an IP perspective, this is going to be kind of interesting because we're definitely pushing the limit on this and um, doing some interesting things with that. So one key concept that people talk about with the metaverse is interoperability and composability. Basically meaning how I explained before that you can bring your assets that you own a lot of different places. That's supposed to be a principle of the metaverse going forward. However, it's trickier said than done to make that happen because you need a lot of people bought in and you need people to be working together to do that. And that hasn't really been happening yet. Um, For example, if you own a CryptoPunk, it doesn't do anything. It's just a CryptoPunk. Um, If you own Board Ape Yacht Club, yeah, it's a PFP. It doesn't do anything um, like, because that was the original project it was. Um, But if it were to be interop- interoperable or if it was to be composable, you would be able to bring that CryptoPunk or your Board Ape Yacht Club um, 
ape into different metaverses or different games that are already out there. For example, like Sandbox or Decentraland. Um, if this was like a key component of the metaverse, then you should be able to walk around as your avatar in these spaces. However, um, that takes time on each individual developer's end, and it's not easy to do. But that's kind of the t- uh, problem that we're tackling early on and what we kind of want to contribute back to the metaverse. Um, so what we're doing is we're going to be one of the leaders in composability early on. Um, we've been integrating other NFT lines into the game that we're building. Um, by asking for permission or just going and doing it ourselves too, really pushing the border on what this um, like principle of the metaverse should be. Obviously, if an NFT line doesn't want their NFT line in their game and they're like, hey, um, this is our intellectual property, um, not cool, <laughs> then we'll take it back. But we're kind of riding and pushing the border of what we can do as far as that goes. So yeah, we basically have been taking NFT lines um, deconstructing them, reverse engineering them, looking at what traits they have, and then making them into assets that work in our game. So all you have to do is connect your MetaMask wallet or whatever wallet that you have and start playing our game as your NFT pretty instantly. How have the people who created the NFT projects you've integrated into your platform reacted to, you know, your your project to the extent that you've, you know, heard from them? Yeah, it's been pretty positive so far because what we're doing is we're creating value for their NFT line. And that's kind of the point of what we're doing. Um, We want to create more value for more communities and basically just give back to the metaverse a bit. Um, If you're one of these projects, you want to work on interoperability. Like this is something that you want to see happen because this will make your project more valuable. The more places that your project is integrated into and the more places that people can use this asset um, the more people want it and the more places they'll be in, able to uh, insert influence. So generally, this is something that people want. Um, for example, we just did this with the Lazy Lions NFT collection. And we didn't really ask for permission. We just went and did it and then showed them. And the uh, initial impression was like, oh, interesting. And then after we like explained the vision a bit more, um, they became more and more on board. We'll see what a partnership with them looks like. I'm not quite sure still if it will be anything official or not, um, it doesn't really matter to us as long as we just have their blessing to use us and continue building out this mission. So going forward, like what are your plans for the platform at this point in time? Is it fully launched? Are people using it? Sort of what do you see right now people doing with it? And what do you hope people do with it in the future? Yeah, so right now, um, we have basically just converted our old event platform and community building platform into this project. Um, So we have a lot of tools that are really good for gatherings, um, meetups, and get-togethers. So that's kind of our first strategy. Um, It's kind of a two-part play on our end. Um, Integrate a lot of communities, get people excited about what we're doing, give them immediate value for their NFT collections. The first time you actually see your NFT, that's just a profile picture, walking around in a space is pretty special. Um, And we just want to keep creating that moment for people and getting people excited about what we're doing. Our long-term play, though, is we really hope that we're not going to be the only ones that do this um, composability or interoperability. And that's not the uh, core piece of tech or the uh, core contribution to the metaverse that we're going to be relying on. What we really need to be focusing on is building an experience that people want to come back for us to. Um, And we think we can do that by building a really fun game that's really accessible. And we have a really good team to do that. And that's kind of the plan. Um, So we're basically building out all these community features, getting more and more people onboarded, and then um, we're also simultaneously building out game features that we're going to be launching in the near future. 
I mean, to the extent you're comfortable talking about any of those, like, do you have some big picture ideas about what you think it's going to look like or sort of things that you're, you think are really going to be critical to this gaming space in, in the near future? So the crypto gaming space is still very, very new and it's getting fleshed out. You've seen a couple players coming out like Axie Infinity and Decentraland, um, but they're pretty robust. Axie Infinity has having a lot of success right now. Um, people are literally making a living playing it, which I think is crazy. Um, I think they have almost a million daily active users. So they've done a lot of things really, really right. However, I think they're still missing the mark in a lot of areas too for everything that they've done right. Um, the game is not very accessible. It costs about $1,000 to get playing. Um, you have to buy three of their NFTs. Their NFTs are like $100, $200 each, gas fees as well. Um, so just to play their game, it's $1,000. Um, that is something that we never want to have. Um, we want to rely more on the game mechanics of traditional MMOs and kind of like, we don't need to reinvent anything new. We just want to basically bring, um, what people expect in an MMO or an online gaming experience to the blockchain. Um, we're really going to take inspiration from games that are doing well already, like RuneScape, um, a traditional game and see how we can bring it to the blockchain. We have really interesting tech we're developing around that. Um, and that's also the cool thing about this space. It's not just gaming. It's still very much deep tech because there's still a lot of tech that has not been developed to make all of this possible. And uh, that's why a lot of these promised games or NFT lines aren't executing on it. It's really hard still. Um, so there's going to be some interesting problems that we need to solve to do that. We have a really, really good tech team behind it. And that's kind of the opportunity and what we're excited about. So one thing I'm interested in is... You know, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people who still seem very skeptical about all of these new developments. And it's interesting to hear someone like you with, you know, a really rich technological background in, in the area see a lot of potential. Um, to those people who are still kind of skeptical, what would you say to them about what they're missing or how they should maybe think differently about the potential of, of what's taking place here? There are a lot of really smart brains moving into Web3 now. A lot of like very smart investors, Andreessen Horowitz, specifically A16Z, they're almost only investing in Web3 now. Um, it really is a frontier. And yes, there's a lot of issues with it. But once these issues are solved, um, that's when the opportunity is like really there. Um, it's an early technology still. And that's why it's called Web3. Um, it's a whole new area of how the internet will operate. And these issues that you're seeing that might make you skeptical are the ones that need to be solved. And that's where the brain power is going right now. Um, so they're not wrong if they see issues. Um, they're not wrong if they see rug pulls. But they also have the ability to be one of the like leaders in building if they want to go into it with good intentions and if they want to actually advance this tech. Well, so Luke, in... In closing, I wonder if you could kind of like project a little bit forward, like at this point in time, right, as things are really new, as things are developing uh, in sort of unpredictable ways, sort of to the to the best of your ability, like what do you see happening in the future? What are you most bullish on in the NFT Web3 space? What are your kind of hopes and expectations about this new technology and the sort of social platforms and economies developing around it. Yeah. So Mark Zuckerberg has gotten very mixed opinions on his meta keynote, um, but I don't think he was very far off the mark of what the possibilities of a metaverse could look like. 
Um, I know a lot of people building the space. I've heard a lot of criticisms being like, I would never work in VR. I would never like be in an office in VR. I know people working on that. And I've seen the results of people actually like putting on VR headsets and um, going to work and um, working in VR. People are actually more productive in VR. Um, You can't look down at your phone if you're in VR. Um, It like enables really, really deep focus. Basically what I'm saying is like the tech is getting there and we're not as far away from that vision as people think. And it's going to be a much, much bigger part of people's lives going forward, whether they like it or not. Um, In the ways it's not the future I love. I really value being outdoors and spending time away from screens, but it also is kind of a reality going forward where this is like an immense value that people are making. Um, It's going to change the way that people work, gather and talk to each other. And I really, really do think it's inevitable after just seeing the direction, what people are building and all the talent going into Web3. Amazing. Well, Luke, thanks so much for making the time to talk to me today. Uh, It was really helpful to learn from you and get your perspective on sort of what this technology is and what it might be able to do. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Small as a beetle, a big as a wheel. Boom! Atomic cocktail. Falls a splice all around the place. When you see it coming, just grab your suitcase. It'll send you through the skies like air mail. Boom! Atomic cocktail. You push a button, turn the dial. Your work is done for miles and miles. When it hits, it's bound to shake Because you feel just like an earthquake That's the drink that you don't pour When you take one sip, you won't need any more You're small as a beetle, a big as a whale Boom! Atomic cocktail Turn a dial Your work is done For miles and miles When it hits Bound to shake Because it feels like An earthquake That's the drink That you don't pour 
Now when you take one sip, you won't need any more If you're small as a beetle, a big as a whale Atomic cocktail <laughs> <laughs> 